0: Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where we're back for a new season. It's been a little bit of extra time, but we're back. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej.
1: It's seven. Seven seasons. It's seven. crazy. That's a lot of seasons.
0: Uh, today we're talking it about is. a bunch of stuff, since we actually had extra time off in between here. You had a couple conflicts come up, and I took a long break for winter, or for the holidays, and it was good. So we have a lot of geekery. Um and I don't know exactly what the topics will be where we dive in deeper but that's okay. So, I want to start with you because I feel like you have less things but you have a couple things that you <clears throat> dove deeper into.
1: Yeah, the just to get the you know the quick hits off, um the Witcher season 2 is really really good i finally got jennifer to watch all of the witcher and she was kind of hesitant on season one she wasn't sure how much she liked it and then as we got into season two both of us were just staring straight ahead like we have to watch the witcher right and like we just fell in love with season two so i'm i'm really excited uh for all of the other stuff like there's going to be a prequel series and uh there's an anime i didn't know about uh that's on netflix right now so i'm really excited to dig into those at some point and i um, am i'm like halfway
0: through season two and i think i like it better than season one but i have the same problem that i had with season one where like any individual episode i was like oh yeah that was pretty good but i never feel excited to jump into the next one like when i'm between episodes i'm like yeah i'll get to the next one at some point but i never feel this urge to be like oh what's gonna happen next you know um
1: and- and I felt that way from the very beginning yeah. of uh, season one. Like there was just something that grabbed me about it being my kind of show. Like I loved it. I love it still. So I hope, hopefully, by the end of it, it'll grab you. But uh, I really like how they did this one. And there's a bunch of uh, behind the scenes documentary style stuff on Netflix with it, too, in their World of the Witcher stuff. Oh, cool. It's neat. to It's it's cool to watch some of that stuff. So if you're interested in that, you get to see a lot of how they do the stunts and uh, things like that. And Henry Cavill does all of his own, which is awesome. That's like, really He's cool. just Geralt at this point.
0: Yeah, he's a fan. I mean, it's nice when a fan can play the character because they actually understand, like,
1: how it's important and what it means. Yeah. And one of the things he said, one of those was that he has to, to hold back and uh, not like lore, lawyer, everybody and be like, well, actually, <laughs> uh, it, it was really it's really funny to see him uh, talk about that. That's which awesome. made me a big, big Henry Cavill fan. Um other than that, like I've been uh, I found this place called Skinny Minis okay. uh, for DD minis. It's uh, I found it through a service called Dungeon in a Box where you get like these physical minis like that you can paint the normal plastic ones. Um, then you get these flat ones that are on transparent plastic, but they have art printed on them and they got little stands that stand up so they're much much cheaper than the 3D miniatures but they look really really good while you're using them on the table like I've used them a few times over the last month or so and they're really fun to use and the art is great on them so I subscribed to the like dungeon in a box monthly thing to get more of them ordered a handful of these for the party I have in person uh, so they'll have like hero minis and it's, it's it's a whole lot of fun um, because the thing I got came the first dungeon came with a bunch of slime minis uh, like gelatinous cubes and oozes and stuff I basically had the slime apocalypse in one of my uh, boss fights where I didn't think they were gonna break every one of the canopic jars uh, in the side of this tomb that had oozes in them but they did and they just started throwing them and i'm like why why are you okay and it was just oozes everywhere but i got to use all of my my minis and at one point like i had all of these like colored minis out and they're these flat ones like this and one big uh 3d gelatinous cube that i could put others inside of and uh, at one point one of the players was just like how many more of these do you have and uh, because i mean they just kept coming out so it was like seven or eight of them i was like y'all just keep breaking these jars and it was really funny but they're really really cool y'all should check those out if you're looking for cheap minis uh for dungeons and dragons or other tabletop stuff Uh, those are cool dungeon in a box was neat because it comes with maps as well uh so you get like play mats that are really well designed uh those are neat but uh, most of what i did since like christmas was playing metroid dread i finally got it jennifer got it for me for christmas and surprised me because i completely uh had forgotten that that was something like that she could have gotten me for christmas yeah no i'm glad you grabbed this one
0: i thought you would like it but i didn't know when you would get around to it so i'm glad that happened
1: apparently after the episode that you and I recorded last year where uh, you were telling me about it and I went and talked to Jennifer about it in the living room I was like I really want this but it's $60 and I know right now I'm not going to play this like I really want it like it's the only game that's come out in a long time that I'm like I want this game but even then I still know I'm not going to get it apparently she went that night and ordered it and uh, just had it waiting on me for Christmas (laughs) where I had the break to do it and it was perfect like being able to do that uh, just sit over christmas break uh where we both took off and played metroid on the switch Lite, was was wonderful and it's so hard it's so dang hard i i know you said okay so here's how i know that i'm not good at action games um because you said you went into a boss Mm -hmm. and you died a time or two And then you beat the boss and moved on.
0: Yeah. So uh, to recap, because I know we talked about this before, but it's basically like that was my trajectory with any given boss outside of the last boss took a lot longer. But all the other bosses, it would probably be three to five attempts of just like trying to learn the patterns. And then it would all click. And then I would just like beat the boss without getting hit. And then I
1: would move on. And I never got to the point where and I haven't made it to the final boss yet. I think I have like one more big area and then a final boss. But, um, yeah, I didn't get to that point. Sometimes it would take me, oh, I don't know, two dozen times to beat Kraid. Okay. And I would get so mad. Like, Kraid, I don't know what it was. The other bosses, you know, half a dozen to, to a dozen times of going in and uh, learning the pattern, screwing something up. Not not that bad. You know, it's, a, it's, it's hard, but I eventually got it. Craid made me want to actually Craid did make me scream obscenities a couple of times. And Jennifer was like, I'm sorry, I got you something that made you feel so angry and uh, that, that you don't. I'm like, I don't like it. I just need to kill this thing. <laughs> and uh, it was like, it's really good, but it's so pretty. Like Nintendo really knocked themselves out. Uh, well, I don't know what that means. Uh, Nintendo really knocked it out of the park on this to make it like look great as a Switch game. And then I, that made me want to grab Bloodstained uh, because I've been wanting to play it for years now. uh, Ritual of the Night. Um, It's not good compared <laughs> to metroid dread no um i can't say anything at all about the game on its own merit like this is all compared to as a metroidvania uh going into uh from metroid dread uh the frame rate is so low the controls are not tight and i couldn't do it it was a waste of 15 dollars while it was on sale because i may be able to go back uh to it eventually it is absolutely not a game that you follow metroid dread up with no, um, I don't. I agree no, with that. No. Now, it might, like I said, it might be good. I will eventually go back to it because I've wanted to play it for a long time. But I don't suggest to anyone go while you're playing or immediately after playing Metroid Dread. Um, it'll just ruin it for you, just straight up. Uh, but yeah, so it's a great game, uh, very much worth the price, and uh, I'm glad I got it over Christmas break to be able to sit and spend some time it, with it exploring cool no i'm glad uh, to it that's great it is it's much better than samus returns on uh, or the return of samus uh, samus returns on 3ds i think uh the return of samus was the actual game boy game uh much better than it feels like it but just does it better so and i like the 3ds but uh but yeah it's it's excellent uh more than anything though i've been playing genshin impact actually Interesting. i actually dug in and started playing genshin uh, i saw a tweet like this is what did it so i'm sitting scrolling on my phone and i see a tweet uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that was somebody like so how many five star characters do you have in genshin impact here's what i've got and i saw the pictures that they had posted and it was like oh those look really cool i should play that game more and i should give that a real shot and so i loaded it up on my playstation and i'll download it on my phone and that's when I remembered that, because I never got very far in it at all, and I realized and remembered that the PlayStation is its own little walled garden ecosystem, uh, and that you can't play it on anything else. Like, if you play it on PlayStation, your progress does not carry over, even if you use the same uh, ca- the same mi- miHoYo, I don't know how to say it, uh, account. So I loaded it up on my phone and I have an iPhone 12 Max Pro, which is a 12 Pro Max, which is still like I hate the way Apple does that stuff now. But I've got the biggest screen that I could get at the time. So I put the backbone controller on it and it's like I'm actually just playing a handheld. Oh, that's um, cool. The the phone is powerful enough that playing Genshin doesn't have any kind of graphic anomalies or artifacts or lag in it. So it's just like I'm playing on a higher resolution switch. Because there's not a switch version um so this is the only way to play it handheld uh, is on on mobile and with the backbone controller it just you know maps like an xbox controller um it is obviously not anywhere near as pretty as the ps5 version uh but it's close and then i can play it on pc but have my my progress carry over um I got to, like, adventure level 29. I should hit 30 today uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I'm having a lot of fun, like... It's it's definitely not a Breath of the Wild clone like I thought it was. Uh, It's very similar, but it's a completely different kind of game. Um, Have you done a lot in it? Like, I know you'd played it for a little bit up front. Uh, Did you continue doing any of it at all?
0: Yeah, so I haven't. I feel like I should give it another shot at some point. But what happened to me was I played it a lot right when it came out. And um, they had two essentially like two areas, but. There, when I say area I mean like a really huge area right they're like, big
1: areas yeah, yeah
0: like the size of a sizable chunk of a breath of the wild map um, but the first area it, it's kind of like inspired by one culture the second area is inspired by a different culture so I made it to the second area um, and then I hit a part where it just like I wasn't progressing quickly at all it felt like it was getting grindy and it just like I don't know, it it was losing the fun because I couldn't advance forward anymore. And I think Mm. they had that in place at the beginning because they didn't want people to hit the end of content quickly. But since then, it's been like a year and a half or something since I played it. And I know they've released a whole third area that's inspired by a whole different culture. And I think they changed how those levels, like how fast you move through them Um, And where the the bottlenecks are. So I bet if I went back to it, I could probably get back into it again. But that's why I stopped is because I was reaching like later content and it was just like slowing down the progression. But I liked it a lot. Like what I played, I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, that's I think they have fixed that because I'm at the end of the second area now. Okay, so you're farther than I ever did. So I'm I'm about to, so I, I don't know when I unlock the third area because let's see as we record this this is the 27th and so 2 days ago the uh Chinese New Year uh event started uh, like f- bring lanterns in flight or something like that. And uh, it started and you have to get to a certain point with certain quests to be able to use it. So I've been working on those to be able to actually get into the event that's going on right now. And I don't know, what I don't know is if those quests are the main story quests or those archon quests that you move through the different areas on or if they are one of the other quote-unquote story quests uh that you have to do to unlock it but either way i'm at the end of the main archon quest in uh area two so i'll be moving into that third area they added in uh i think it's called Inazuma uh soon and um if you, every area in it like uh, I, I has a particular uh, element that there that it, it's related around the first one was wind, the second one is geo, the earth stuff, and if it makes you want to get further into it like it does me the third one is electro so it's the purple energy lightning uh area where all of the stuff is that so it's that kind of aesthetic that i love so if that's something that you like playing around in like i do those kind of purpley glowy caves in video games that might be one reason to get back in uh uh, also but they've not made it as grindy as i thought it was going to be because it's a gotcha game i mean you earn things and you uh these currencies and you wish for characters and uh but none of them are required they only have so far required the ones that you get in the story so you can you can play it completely free um i've paid okay so i paid $25 on it already um but $5 of it was this thing to get more uh currency And I was just like, yeah, I'm enjoying this game a lot. I'll give them $5. I've been playing this. I've played for $5 worth. Sure. And uh, so I'll just get more over the next month for a daily login thing. I basically get uh, a wish, one of the gotcha things every two days. And so I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll pay five bucks for that. And uh, then when I unlocked the battle pass, the BP, uh, just looking at the stuff that you got for the upgraded one, I meant to buy the $10 one that got you uh access to it all and um and able to unlock it and i ended up buying the 20 dollar one because i hit the wrong button (laughs) okay uh but well they're side by side on the same page i thought i had one highlighted and just kept and hit through it and clicked the iphone like verify thing and then i didn't notice that it said 1999 on it and i was just like well, okay, I like it. I'm not going to worry too much about it, but I meant to spend 15 bucks on it just because I was new and liked it. I was like, yeah, I'm having a really good time. I'd pay 15 bucks for this game, but apparently I would pay 25 bucks for this game, and that's what it's worth to me right now um, because <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't bother me to, to pay that and be like, oh, man, I'm paying 20 bucks for a gotcha game, but the entire time I felt like it's a single-player RPG, and it's one of the only ones that's been able to get me to just sit and want to play it in the last... Uh, last like a year and a half. So I gotta say it's, it's really well done. And I know that Mr. Alarm, uh, Steve Whitcamp, uh of geek to geek. And you'll know that y'all listening, probably know him on uh, Twitter. Uh, he d- plays it extensively and is now going to be writing a bunch of uh, Genshin articles for the geek to geek media blog um, because they rank really well. Like people are still crazy about Genshin impact in terms of like what like they're looking up and information and stuff. It's really cool. And, uh, uh, will from the planes talkers podcast was talking about getting into it just recently too. And how it's, uh, he just got, uh, doing it. So it's really cool. Like, um, I'm amazed that people are still playing it. No one talks about it, but it's one of those things kind of like you and, um, that, uh, all I can think Dragalia lost. I was going to say legend of Legalia. Oh, yeah. I'm like, like, no, that's a, that's a PlayStation uh, two game. Um, dragalia lost where yeah you you played it for like three years or something like that every day didn't mention it but it was just one of those things you did i think that's how genshin impact has gotten for some people uh, i was like yeah, yeah i'm playing this it's not the only game i play but uh, i do this stuff i do my dailies every my, most days and that's that's probably what it'll turn into me like i'll do this stuff uh kind of like my marvel strike force game i uh, do them every day uh for like three years now it's Eventually, it's just going to turn into one of those, but it's a it's a nice action game. And even the mobile controls are usable. I was so surprised that even before I hooked up my backbone to it to actually get a good controller on it, mobile wasn't uh, wasn't as terrible as you would expect it to be. I was really surprised i'm very impressed by this game and i'm glad i finally gave it another shot cool
0: no i'm glad you are too i mean i want to hear more because i i could be tempted back into it um there's a bunch of new games coming out in february yeah. that's like just around the corner february is in a couple days after we're recording this so i don't yeah. want to get reinvested now but i did see so you've you've been talking about it um i know other people who have never stopped playing it and then i also saw in i believe it was twitter's like some of their end of the year wrapped up recap stuff where they had like the yeah games that were the most talked about on Twitter Genshin Impact I want to say it was number one but if it wasn't number one it was in the top three and so it's one of those things where like you said it's just there's a huge player base out there for it so I feel like I should give it more attention now that they've rebalanced it and added more so I could be tempted back into it later in the year just probably not for a month or two
1: yeah, it, it's nuts because I've been keeping up with it little by little just as the, the year has passed because Austin uh, writes for and edits now, but uh, writes for Screen Rant and there are constantly Genshin posts going up on there. So I hear stuff from him and his daughter. I know uh plays it every day she's five and uh just goes around runs around opening up chests and stuff like just explores and has a great time every day um and i know it's a big thing for the screen Rant gaming stuff to have somebody be able to write about uh, genshin all the time it's just i it, it, it's just there and it's interesting how it's not like Fortnite in that it became this cultural phenomenon but it's just this low key chill exploring game that people are playing and don't really talk about but uh, super love it's it's interesting yeah um but yeah then the really the last thing is Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker like <laughs> it's a good game they did it is. Have, have you beat it all? Uh, yeah. I know you have played it, but have you beat it?
0: Yeah, I beat it right when it came out on Wii U. Um, I know the Switch version, they added more stuff, so I never played any of that. But yes, I did play through it and I beat it. And uh, this is one of those games that I think it was one of the first games that my daughter really got into. And she beat the, the whole thing on her own as well. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, so I've seen it. I've beaten it and I've seen other people latch
1: on to it. And yeah, it's a really fun game. Jennifer and I loved the demo of it, but it was one that we just never bought for one reason or another. And then they did a Nintendo switch online, whatever the trials are. I hate the whole thing they do, but it was like a, a 10 day period, seven day period. Sure. We downloaded it. And a few days later we uh, played it. And it was like, Oh, we really like this, uh, this, this, this game, like the full game, is every bit as good or, you know, obviously better than the demo. So we actually decided to buy it uh and bought the DLC uh so that we could keep playing it. So their uh three weeks suckered us in. Uh made us made us buy the full game it's like uh we we fell for their marketing void (laughs) it worked we did it but 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 it did work and it's a really good game it's one where uh we've i've mostly watched jennifer play it um because she loves this kind of game like she loves this kind of indie game and for it to be made by the and for it to be made by nintendo it's just perfect like basically perfect and we started playing wordle um (laughs) Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit it's like six days now, uh, but it's like I'm embarrassed to admit that I jumped on that train. I haven't done today's, but uh, do you do that? Do you do the wordle thing? No, nah, I tried
0: it. I I'm not a big fan of word games Um, as much as I uh, I like to write and read and I uh, interact with the written word when it comes to like words and games. They just don't click in my brain in the right way. So I've seen it. I know what it is. I'm glad people are enjoying it. It's just not my kind of game.
1: And you, you and your perfect Sudoku or whatever it was called, uh, good Sudoku, excuse me. Oh yeah. Uh, good Sudoku. I'm like, I hate that. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Kind of the same way. It's like, I hate number games like that. <laughs> so sure. no, it's the same so
0: thing, So this, but this hits the
1: game kind of, yep, exactly. So that's basically what I've done over, over break, sitting and watching TV shows, movies, watching the Eternals and Boba Fett and, uh, Hawkeye and all of that kind of stuff, but, uh, loving it. But, uh. Really. Most of what I've done is that. Awesome. Well, what about
0: you? Um, I have a bunch, but I'm not going to get through all of it because I can already tell I have way too much that I've been doing. Um, so I'll take this as a chance to do our mid episode break and just mention that we have a whole network out there, uh, for geek to geek. There's podcasts, there's streamers, there's the geekery blog, all that and more at geek to geek or go to geek to slash subscribe. You can get it sent to you. Um, and there's a Patreon for the network as well, which is patreon.com slash geek to geek cast. What's the latest
1: going on over there? I would just leave it at that because we don't know. Okay. It's being just, revamped. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're working on stuff. It's covering costs for the network. If, uh, if you want to uh, check it out, we've got a year of 14 issues of our digital magazine that we did working on a revamp. And uh, right now, those funds are going to website upkeep and getting premium WordPress plugins so that we can bring you better and more content.
0: So getting into my geekery, like I said, I I have a bunch of stuff in here I'm not going to get through. But since you mentioned a couple movies that are quick hits, I will do the same and kind of like blaze through those because I had things I watched that I wanted to put out there into the world. um, My reactions to because I know people were asking me about them, but I don't have a whole lot of thoughts behind them. So Arcane, which you talked about pretty in depth when we were doing end of the year Mm. stuff. um, I'll just double down and say it was so good. You don't need any League of Legends experience or knowledge. And it's actually probably better without it. Like, I think that if you go to that without knowing League of Legends, you're going to enjoy it actually more maybe
1: yeah Um, i know nothing about it and have loved it i've not seen the final episode though like it's one that i want to sit down and watch but i'm also kind of saving it because i'm like i love these characters like i really i really love uh the way that they've done it and i can't make myself (laughs) excuse me i can't make myself watch the last episode it's weird so i do have to say from a production perspective
0: and like a filmmaking perspective right like my background in production the animation in this is just incredible like the production values are insanely high I haven't seen an animated you know video movie anything that is this high quality for this amount of running time I think ever in like ever in history it's just it constantly blew me away and that was one of the things that kept drawing me back on top of the story on top of the action on top of all the other things that are surface level but just the production quality Mm -hmm. um and production values that are put into arcane it's like second to none like it's just
1: incredible so arcane was really kind of it kind of reminds me of into the spider verse in terms of the way that they're playing with animation styles, that it's not a traditional like CG animated movie where I see they're mixing different kinds of I noticed that they're di- mixing different kind of frame rates and uh, yes. transitions and kinds of animation. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like it's, if you liked the way Spider-Verse looked, uh, check out Arcane because it's nowhere near the same, but it uses similar techniques to pull stuff off. It's, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good call. It's beautiful. Out. I also watched The Matrix Resurrections. It's extremely meta and it knows that it's doing that and it leans all the way into it, which I appreciate. It's not trying to be meta and be like clever, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, it just Mm -mm. goes all the way in, hangs a lantern on it, lets you know that they know that it's meta. Um, I also like that at the core of it, it's a love story. It's not like an action story or like a super deep philosophical story. It's it's a love story at the core of Matrix Resurrections, which was interesting because it's kind of different from the other ones. Um, and I just I liked it a lot. I like what they were doing. They're kind of like, uh, you know, doing more world building, um, trying to. And not really end the series, but like give a next step to reset the expectations of the world. I hope that they don't go and do Matrix five and six and seven, but they're in a spot now where they could if they wanted to. They might not be able to help themselves because it's WB that oversees this. Um, But in general, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty solid for Matrix Resurrection. Yeah,
1: I, I was the same way. Like, I didn't love it. Uh, but I really, really liked it. Um, I need to go back and watch it again, but like I said, it's super meta, and I like that where they ended it. I like that they ended it, and I like that they also left it open where there could be a continuation like you know that the world continues regardless uh whether or not uh the, the the not even so much that the matrix continues it's just that the universe in which the matrix exists these characters are moving forward in some way whether we know it or not and I love yes. when places do that rather than be like okay here's the end of their story and it's like nope they live their lives and uh, it's really cool I nice. I really really like
0: the way they handled it Yeah I did too um and that inspired me to because we talked about at the end of last season um both you and I went back and rewatched all the matrix movies cuz we knew that one was coming <laughs> out and so i finished this and then i was listening to a couple of my podcasts that i'm always listening to that were talking about matrix resurrections or the whole series up to that point um and somebody had mentioned the other films that the Wachowskis have done um and the someone had mentioned speed racer and it was something that like Mm -hmm. i had looked up in the past and looked interesting but i never gave it the time of day so i went back and i watched speed racer which i believe is from 2008 and it is it's just like the visuals and the art direction are amazing the story is decent the story is not bad but like it's the visuals it's the art direction um you know when people talk about like they People out there don't know how to do live-action anime because every time they try to do it, it just falls on its face. If you want to see live-action animated anime, specifically, done well, Speed Racer is the movie to watch. It is live-action anime, and it's over the top, but it's treated like it's so well done. Like, I can't even it's almost like the story the human interactions are treated like live action right where you have actors acting against each other and you feel it in the moment but all of the action scenes all of the times where like there's other things going on it's larger than life the visuals go full-on impressionistic anime and it just works you know so it's a really cool movie if you've never watched it um I kind of suggest it if if any of that sounds interesting to you, if you're into anime, if you're into Matrix or other stuff that Wachowskis have done, like Speed Racer is a very fascinating movie. And I know that's not timely at all because it came out in 2008, (laughs) but I watched it and I had to call it out just because it like kind of blew me away.
1: Well, I've never seen it. So it was one that's always been on my list that whenever like it's one where it's on my list, like if I ever see it and I have time, I'm looking for a movie, I'll put it on it's not one i've ever sought out and uh i still really want to see it so that makes me want to see it even more it is good. um it kind of reminds me the way that you described it uh alita battle angel a battle angel alita i'm not sure how the what the actual title how it, you read it um it was really really good i liked how they did it and it felt like a well done anime uh live action uh, i look forward to this to a sequel to that one
0: I would rather watch speed racer 10 times than have to rewatch Alita battle angel once. So
1: what? Oh no. I yeah. loved Alita.
0: Uh, just putting that out there. And then the other quick hit of a movie here, um, before I get into some gaming stuff is Encanto. So I know I usually yeah. keep my Disney movie watching to my other podcast, Disney forever, which is also on the network. You can go listen to it. I have a lot of fun doing that with Katie. Um, in I want to talk about cause it just came out and, uh, we might end up doing an episode about it very soon because I liked it so much. Um, I watched. So good. I was watching it, not thinking I was going to do an episode on it, but I just wanted to watch it because it was a new Disney movie that looked interesting. It was good. It was really good. Um, but the thing that stuck with me long after it, like the movie itself, was good. The storytelling, and the, it's all about um, inner, like intergenerational family dynamics for an extended family that's living in the same house. But also, it's Disney, so there's magic and there's other things going on, um, and the thing that really stuck with me which is why I wanted to call it out because I could see one of these ending up on my end of the year list so I want to put this out there into the world right now is that there are two amazing songs in this movie there's more than two songs in the movie but there's two that are absolutely amazing one is we don't talk about Bruno which I feel like everybody out there has seen because it's all over social media and it's just it
1: just took off
0: yeah it's just an earworm of a song it gets in your head and it won't let go so like once you hear it it just keeps getting stuck in your head over and over. And it's pretty good, Like It's not a bad song. It's not a bad one to get stuck in your head. And I liked it, but there's another song in there called surface pressure and best song in the movie. It is the best song in the movie. It is one of the most relatable Disney songs that I've ever heard. And I feel like that song resonated with me in a way that I don't know if I've ever had a Disney song hit me that hard before. And it wasn't even the first time I watched the movie. Um, It was like when I listened back to the soundtrack after and I was like, oh, wow, this is like this is really doing something incredible. And then I went back and I rewatched that song in the context of the movie a couple of times. And I was like, it it just it's I don't even know how to give it the credit that it's due. It's such a good song talking about like the pressure that people are put under on a daily basis and how you shoulder that responsibility and just deal with it for your family or for the people around you. And I don't know. I just really related to that song.
1: I don't know. I think it's because you work like a thousand hours a week <laughs> and uh, and and raise a family at the same time. Uh, might 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 be why. But uh, I, I agree. Like like Surface Pressure is by far the best song in there. I, did, I don't understand why we don't talk about Bruno took off like it did. It's a great song. And I I just when I heard that it had overtaken let it go from frozen in terms of the the billboard charts i was like it's not that good it's just catchy. Like, let it go it's is a better
0: song i know but, but it is a catchy, catchy song
1: yeah that's why and what it is the reason behind that is because they don't account for streaming when let it go came out into the charts and they account for streaming now within the charts and so people are just streaming it over and over again which didn't count when they were uh trying to rank Uh, with billboard and everything with let it go so it's a completely different world now is why it did it but it's a really good song and it's a really good movie and it dealing with this intergenerational like family trauma is so relatable and i saw this tiktok that made me uh really really laugh because it was it was like this 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 woman was like yeah so i'm i just finished watching Encanto with my boyfriend and i'm here a weepy mess and he's just sitting there and that's when i realized y'all did y'all realize that there are people without generational trauma i didn't know it either but there are and it, yeah. it just made me laugh where it is so relatable and it's like i watched this and at one point um the the grandmother uh comes in and she does something and i'm i just look at her i was like Go away, Mamu. No one wants you here. And uh, because that was my grandma who didn't like me. And uh, I I very much related to to that part of it. And uh, it was it's interesting that uh, even though I am in no way in a situation like a uh, an intergenerational Colombian family uh, would be, it's and the culture is different. Uh, in terms of uh South American and Colombian uh families as well, but it's like I still saw my grandma who hated me in my uh, in 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 abuela, and it was interesting. Like it's great, great movie, love it, uh and it was done by Lin Manuel Miranda. Like all the music was done by Lin Manuel, which is also why you and I attached to it. Uh, because we 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 adore him and uh surface pressure was actually written about his sister he said he wrote that song for louisa with his sister in mind so interesting we get to see a little bit of what uh lynn's sister is like and yes lynn because i'm (laughs) friends with him (laughs) yeah i feel as many times i feel as many times as i've listened to hamilton like a solid year like every day i think i think lynn and i are buddies now all right like, sure
0: we'll roll like, with it we, we're good we're but bros. no so that's one where like i said normally i keep my uh, disney movie watching sectioned off to the other podcast but that one might make my end of the year list for top five like best of the rest so i wanted to put it out here especially because right. those both of those songs in different ways were just impactful um then yep. i have a little bit of a gaming through line that i want to get through before the end of the episode so i'm going to try to scale to the time we have left and we'll see how i do um (laughs) all right so going into the holiday season i was playing forza horizon 5 and i played a bunch more of it over the break um i don't have more thoughts that i didn't already say so i'm not gonna linger on it but i did play a bunch more of it and i liked it a lot right and so that was like one of the best game pass games i played in years and then Um, you know, they're consistently releasing more Game Pass games every month, and this game came out that was getting some buzz called Unpacking, and I dove into it, and it's a really interesting, like, low-key game that's about unpacking, and so it's telling the story of somebody's life through unpacking their belongings at each move that they do in their life. So Mm. you start out, and she's like, um, you know, a le- little girl, probably like seven to 10, and she's getting her own room for the first time. So you're unpacking her kid belongings, right? Um, and then there's a point where she moves and she's, um, I think it's like her first move into college. And so you're moving her into a dorm room. And the way that they like tell the story through unpacking, very like via different life events is so fascinating because, like, one of the moves you can tell that, oh, this is the first time she's moving in with roommates and there's like doubles and triples of items. And, you know, like when you move in and there's, okay, suddenly we have like three toasters where do i put my toaster like um yep. you know and it's so relatable because almost everybody has moved a couple times in their life um you know whether or not you've moved a lot or you've just moved as you've kind of like gotten out of your parents house and gotten out on your own or if you went to college or not there's something in here that's relatable about the act of moving as a human being and right um you know like it jumps ahead to when she's moving in with her first boyfriend or for serious boyfriend you assume because they're moving in together and you have to fit in your stuff around his stuff. And as you're doing so, you're just going, oh man, this is not a good fit. Like you're, you're having to like accommodate your life into his, but it's already his place that's established. Like this is, there are red flags all over this. And then the next move is her moving back in with her family. And I was like, yeah, okay, that, yep, this all checks out. Um, it, it's just a fantastic game. It's like a three to five hour game, um, depending on how fast or slow you go. So it's not a huge commitment either, but I really liked it. So I wanted to put that out there um, if people hadn't heard of it.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, never heard of it. I don't think it's my kind of game, but it sounds super wonderful.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty like, It sounds too. like
1: when you're in the mood for that kind of chill game. Yeah. And you know that game. Okay, so uh, it was... It was... Uh, being Kind. Was it Kind Letters? Oh, yeah. Kind Words, uh, I think. Kind Words. That was it. Yeah. Um. So, like, I got it long, long ago. This is just the kind of game that reminded me of it. Kind of like Kind Letters. And uh, the... The through line here is that they're just really chill games that you can play. And uh, the background of Kind Letters has been uh, was about uh, like this lo-fi, really chill music. And so I've been listening to a bunch of that kind of music on just as I work. And it really does just just that. I just look up for lo-fi beats on uh, <laughs> YouTube. And that's what it reminds me of every time I find something is the uh, one of those chill games that I'm I'm just playing like, yeah. Yeah, so is that the kind of soundtrack it has by chance?
0: um I don't really know I didn't pay attention to the music because I was playing this mostly like with my family like one of us started it and then we all kind of latched on and we just sat there for a couple hours playing this game together um by proxy which also led to a lot of fun moments where we're like why would you put her shoes there her shoes don't belong there or like the yoga mat can go under the bed and my daughter's like no it goes in the closet next to her weights and her shoes so she can work out I'm like yeah but it takes up too much space put it under the bed and so it's just like even that was fun just like the way that me and my kids and my Life like would approach unpacking differently and like where you put things and how you categorize your life um so that was super fun and then that led me into uh halo infinite which came out like right after our last recording of last year and mm-hmm. i i played and i beat the entire single player game um The grappling hook is kind of like game changing for the single player. It sounds really cliche to say that, but it's super true. And the main gameplay is like back to the core of Halo. And it's less like Halo four and five, which I think is a good thing. It's an improvement. Um, But yeah, that grappling hook it really lets you move around the world differently. And after you upgrade it with like stun and fast cooldowns, you can just constantly be using it. And it's super fun to move around the world that way. And I know I've talked about it before, but like open world games, probably the most important thing about them is how you're moving through the world. And is that moment to moment movement fun between other activities? And I would say it is when you're using the grappling hook in Halo. Um, mm. So the open world is it's kind of fun to mess around in. Um, you know, The other thing with it is that I didn't really like the back half of the single player campaign as much as the first half. The first half really felt like it was trying new things and opening up and I was like enjoying it. And then the back half got into, oh, these are just more encounters that I've kind of already done variations on on the past and then it really railroads you into like the last quarter of the story where it's just like story mission after story mission and you're not in the open world anymore so I was kind of mixed on that campaign but I got into the multiplayer and it's still like really fun Halo multiplayer and so I played that consistently for probably three weeks over kind of winter break and then into my first like week back at work and I've kind of set it down now but I had a lot of fun with the Battle Pass for a bit. Um, The Battle Pass isn't fully baked. You unlock things really slowly, but it feels like that's something that they'll change by the time like season two or whatever of the Battle Pass comes around, uh, comes around. But the core gameplay is so solid. It's the most fun that I've had with a Halo since Halo 3. So it's been a while. And, um, you know, if the Battle Pass, if they make that a little bit better, I could see this just being like. Uh, you know they called it Halo Infinite I mean I think they're putting it out there that they just want this to be the ongoing Halo platform and I could see myself drifting back in and out of this one kind of like what I do with Fortnite right now you know like every once in a while I'll get yeah. um, a Halo kick maybe and I'll play it for like a month and then I'll kind of bow out again um but I could see this becoming people's forever game um because it's one of those games now
1: yeah the uh I I haven't tried it I tried well I tried it one match online on Game Pass when it first came out, and I need to give it another shot, but my game pass expired, huh. and so I I haven't re-upped it to be able to, to give it a shot. And
0: well, and at the end of the day, it's also still kind of the same first person shooter that it's always been. It's Halo, right? Like if you like Halo, if you like core, right. like the core combat of Halo, especially if you've been disappointed with four and five um, and you wish they would return to the core of the series, this is your chance to jump back in because it's really solid. Um, And then that took me into another game that came out in January um, on Game Pass called Nobody Saves the World. And it's a top down action game, kind of <laughs> calling it a Zelda like a top down Zelda like is not Entirely accurate, but it's not entirely unaccurate either um yeah you know you are this character that's nobody and you keep picking up more forms that you morph into so you level up a form and then it unlocks different forms as you go on and each form has different abilities and so you'll unlock a form and it gives you a bunch of mini quests right so just to like make this a more concrete example the first form you unlock is a rat and then it's like okay you'll suddenly get a bunch of abilities where it's like well when you bite people as a rat it poisons them so it's like poison 10 enemies and then also bite however many Enemies or defeat however many enemies, so you get like three little like mini quests, and then as you do that, the form gets experience, and then you'll level up the rat from a rank F to a rank D, and then you get a whole new set of. So you see where this is going, right? It's just like yeah. a bunch of really mini bite-sized quests that are none of them take very long to do, but from there, then okay, well the rat form unlocks other forms, and then those each have their own quests, um, and then you get a little farther in the game and. Um, You know, these mini quests, they teach you how to play each form because it's basically telling you the basics of what you need to do and you have to do those to complete the quest to level up. But that also almost functions as a tutorial for every new form that you pick up, which is really cool. And the forms are varied and fun, right? So you start with a rat, but you get things that you would expect like, um, in any kind of dungeon crawler game, like a soldier and an archer. But then it goes really interesting places where like you can be a slug or a mermaid or a horse. Mm -hmm. And like one of the forms is an egg. One of them is a necromancer. Like it's an egg, you know? Yeah. And there's a ton more in there. And so I really like this game. Um, Mm you the mm-hmm. I especially like that once you get a little bit further in the game you can mix and match their powers so every form has a core power that always stays there but outside of that you can give them passives and active abilities from the other classes and so you start mixing and matching abilities where you're like oh well I want to poison with this ability and then I want to do light damage with this ability and I want to do you know okay now that I've poisoned them I have a different ability that'll do damage if they have a status effect so it's that kind of like interlocking systems thing that's really fun so this is a game that I would never have picked up if it wasn't on Game Pass, but I was absolutely loving it on Game Pass and I probably put I don't know 10 hours into it, maybe a little more. And like I said, there's other games coming out very soon right around the corner. I won't have this game beaten by then, but I feel like I got my time with it and I got, you know, it was a really good game that I'm glad that I got to play from Game Pass.
1: Uh I've never heard of it first of all. So I looked it up when you were talking about this and The art style is gorgeous, (laughs) that it is absolutely beautiful. It's colorful. It's exactly the kind of hand-drawn animation that I I just go nuts for. And I was going to ask you if it's on Game Pass because I want to give it a shot, but I don't want to pay for it, as with everything in my life. And that it is is a really good reason to re-up Game Pass and really dig in whenever I have a chance. Like Game Pass is becoming like the default for me. If a game's not on Game Pass, or switch there's a really good chance i might not give it the time of day for a good long time until it gets on mega sale like four dollar sale and so here's the through line that
0: i was working towards these last four games that i just talked about in a row were all on game pass and i played them over the course of like three months i have legitimately played my xbox more in the past three months than i played any xbox in the last decade before it because i looked up the release dates of things And I know that I went right from years and years of loving my Xbox 360 and basically never touching a PS3 to completely bouncing off of what the Xbox one was offering. And I picked up a PS4 instead. The PS4 came out in 2013. So since 2013, Mm -hmm. I have essentially not touched an Xbox except for a couple times here and there ever since I picked up this Xbox one X on super sale on, you know, whatever. It was like two or three Black Fridays ago, but I haven't actually played it. A ton, except when Game Pass stuff comes out, and it feels like Game Pass has finally hit its stride in a real way because I have consistently been playing my Xbox every couple days for the last three months, and the last time that was true was sometime between before 2013, which is just crazy to me. When I was on Xbox 360, so you know, Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, unpacking the Nobody Saves the World. There's a ton of upcoming games. There's all these Xbox exclusive studios that we know are working on stuff. that's not announced yet but it'll come out you know when we get around to summer when they start announcing all this big things Mm -hmm. for the year um plus they acquired bethesda so we know starfield's going to be out on it later this year and they just acquired activision which is the biggest acquisition ever in gaming history um and it's like i'm absolutely loving what xbox is offering right now and game pass is just the best deal in gaming it's insane so All of this to say that they convinced me that I need an Xbox Series X for the next generation. So I went and I watched all of those like refresh sites to see when they would get stock. And I managed to snag one. So I just bought an Xbox Series X because Game Pass basically convinced me to do it.
1: I've been thinking about the same thing. I was talking to Jennifer about games on Game Pass and things that we could do over uh, over break and all of this. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking about getting an Xbox. Uh, that would be, you know, we could play Game Pass games all the time. She was like, yes, let's spend $500 on a system that you're not going to play because you haven't played video games in a year. That's a great idea. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. That's, uh, that's true. But... It's the way I'm going as well. Like I love my PS5, but I keep wanting an Xbox because that's the games I'm going to play. Like that's why I like the Xbox Cloud or whatever, a uh, Game Pass Cloud, whatever it is, that I can stream on my iPhone uh and play Game Pass games using the backbone. Like because I don't have an Xbox, I do it on my computer or or stream it like that. Like Xbox is winning right now. And if PlayStation doesn't catch up, they may lose a bunch of customers. They'll keep the fanboys. They'll keep uh, people who have already invested in that system, too, but in that ecosystem. But they may lose a lot of people who don't just identify on one side or the other like that.
0: Yeah. And I'm super lucky. Just most people. Like I'm super lucky that I can afford both of them and I managed to track both of them down. I absolutely love my PS5 also, but. You know Xbox. I have been on the fence on since 2013, since I switched over to the PS4, and they finally got me to like pull the trigger on the next generation early for an Xbox because they convinced me that Game Pass is really a huge offering, and that they are going to just keep doubling down and making it more and more appealing every month, essentially. So yeah, that's I'm I'm invested now. I'm invested in both of the systems, and I'm very excited to see where they go over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way where if next year is probably going to be either an upgrade year or a refresh year for a lot of consoles and video game stuff where we had the OLED Switch last year. If we get a Switch Pro late this year or next year, that's going to be where I go, obviously, uh, because Nintendo. But if not, and I have like extra console money, there's a really, really good chance I'm going to be buying a Series X. Yeah. And that just because of Game Pass, like solely because of it.
0: No, exactly. I don't think I will ever buy an actual game on Xbox. Like if I need to buy it, if it's not on Game Pass, I'll probably get it on PS5 or on PC. But anything that's on Game Pass, I'll just play on the Xbox because that's that's what I got it for. So I'll report back as I I just got it the other day. I've barely played it. But as I start playing that and as more games come out this year, I'm sure that will come up again and again. Um, But I'm really excited for where gaming's at.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome place right now where I was looking up the different Xboxes uh, when I was talking to Jennifer before she like hit me with reality and and what a ridiculous concept I was putting forward, a suggestion rather and uh, I was looking at them and I thought about the Series S because it's digital only and I'm not going to be buying physical Xbox games like I'm getting, it would be a Game Pass machine, but the specs on it were not what I wanted for a next generation system. I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and buy the Series X to to basically keep up when I buy one or whatever the next upgrade is. And so I'm I'm assuming that's what happened with you as well, that you wanted the the powerful one as opposed to just the digital one.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the the other thing is the Series S is a really great onboarding machine. Like, if somebody's trying to get back into gaming and they haven't played in a long time, um, that's probably where I would steer them. You know, it's not as powerful, sure. but, like it's cheaper it's so much cheaper it's like half the price like if you're trying yeah. to feel out if you want to get into gaming again or you haven't done it ever before or it's been a long time that's such a good like price point to get in that way um so i'm glad that it exists but like you and i are we play games too much for that one to appeal to us you know we're really yeah. like no i'm gonna upgrade to the next gen so and now i have a series x and i have a ps5 so i'm set for a long time i don't have to worry about it which is great
1: and did you ever get the OLED switch? I, no. I don't remember if we talked about it. I don't think you did, did no, you? No,
0: because my switch, I use it as a docked console 99% oh, of the okay. time. So the OLED screen doesn't do anything for me. It just costs money. Like, you know, you. my kids, they go back and forth between docking their switches and having a handheld mode. They really get the full use of the, out of that system. But like... I just don't have any time when I'm out and about to use it. So when I actually play Switch games, I'm playing on my TV sitting in front of it as if it was just a console that was docked. Yeah, um, got you. Yeah. So we'll see. But that was what I want to talk through was all my gaming, my Xbox experience. And then I have a bunch of other games I touch to that aren't necessarily Xbox exclusive, but we've kind of hit our time for the day. So I'll bring those next week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast.
1: Oh my goodness, it's been so long. I don't have the intro outro up and it's been seven years and I can't remember it. That's
0: okay. We Uh, have great (laughs) discussions on Slack and Discord. This is, I'm reading your part for once. You guys can check those out at (gasps) geek for invite links. And while you're there, you can check out all the other content on the network. Like we mentioned, blogs, video game reviews, and Patreon. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to different Disney movies every week.
1: And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. <laughs> that'll, that'll do it for this week's. See you next week, geeks.
0: Oh, man, I have to make sounds at the end. I don't do that part.